Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Monday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Brrr, is what I'll say. It's getting cooler, isn't it? It's as it should be. What the hell has the weather been doing up to this? This is what we need at this time of the year. And we're in for it for the uh, remainder of the week by the looks of things. Let me tell you what's happening on late lunch this afternoon. A little bit later on, Kate Madden is joining us. You know her. She's co-founder of Fenu Health. And she's been nominated as a global student entrepreneur. And she's heading to China. We're going to hear about that. Sandra Higgins is with us from Eden Farmed and Animal Sanctuary in County Meath. She's in the news. Joe Gavin is here, co-founder of Celtic Wind Crops in North Loud, deriving cannabis oil from hemp in the county. An interesting story this man has too. But first up on today's show, listen to this, I'm really encouraged. In Ireland, childhood and adolescent cancer cure rates match the best international standards at over 80% success. Isn't that brilliant? However, surgery, radiation and chemotherapy may impact immature bodies, leading to long-term later-life effects that require sustained follow-up and care. Joining me to talk about this, and remember, the numbers are growing here, I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch today Dr Julie Byrne from the Boyne Research Institute and Pancare.eu. Aoife Mogan is here with me as well. She's a patient advocate with Can Care for Living, and I know Julie is involved with that uh, that organisation as well. You're both very welcome to Late Lunch. Good to see you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, If I could start with yourself, Aoife, first off, would you tell our listeners your story? When were you diagnosed with cancer? What age and what type of cancer was it? Um, I was diagnosed back in 98 when I was 13, I'm giving away my age now. Um, so I was diagnosed with a very rare tumour, it's a spinal astrocytoma it's called. So it's a star-shaped tumour which was wrapped around my spinal cord. Uh, so it was very difficult to remove. They weren't able to remove it uh, completely. So I've had multiple surgeries at this stage, um, 11 major surgeries, uh, spinal surgeries in order to try and remove it Um Unfortunately, they were, like I said, they weren't able to remove it all. I had to have radiotherapy and uh, thankfully it's uh, it's gone now. They were able to, like in different stages, it was kind of with the radiotherapy got rid of a lot of it it was stable and uh, but it's caused a lot of hassle um, yeah, I can over imagine, my life um, yes. as you can imagine but here you are into your 30s now and I must say you're looking yeah. fantastic and no, it's gone now makeup is a great thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in handy you didn't need it today on radio by the way <laughs> <laughs> but she did she's looking great but but it's gone now you're, you're, it is yeah yeah, yeah but um, it's gone but I suppose it does. It's great to say that yes, I am um, cancer free, but that can be kind of a difficult thing because 
there's so many other medical problems that still follow that. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about. And that's the purpose of this conversation today. Yeah. Just back to when you were diagnosed at 13, my God, you know, just yeah. into your teens. Have you siblings? I do. I have two younger sisters. And yeah. they were aware, had to be, of course, that yeah, you were in this massive, situation. Yeah, a massive impact on them. It's a massive impact on the entire family. As you can imagine, my parents, I often think it's probably more difficult on parents. Um, mm. I think they'd do anything to take that away of amazing parents. They were unbelievably and failingly um, supportive throughout the entire thing and still are to this day. Mm. And I think it has a massive impact because they were like passing ships in the night because somebody had to be there with me constantly. I've spent months, I suppose, oh God, I don't know how many months now over the 20 years I've spent in hospital, I kind of consider myself a professional patient at this stage. <laughs> I've been in and out for so long. So yes. it really does have a massive, massive impact on the Across entire the family. Board, yes. and, you know, family, friends, everybody. Mm. It really does. And especially, as you said, at 13, it's a de- developmental time in somebody's life. As a teenager, yes. when you're going through that, you're going through so many changes mm. anyway. To have such a physical impact on you because you're going through so many physical changes anyway, to have that on top of everything else, of course it's going to have a massive change, mm. change not just physically, but psychologically, all those things. Yeah, that's what play. I was going to ask you about. You know, when you're 13 and you're diagnosed and you're told this, do they give you, they tell you the full story, you know what's happening, um, do you know how serious it is? Do you dwell on that? Is it something that's in your mind all of the time? Well, for me, I, I think everybody I suppose, is very different. Uh, for me, I think it's quite difficult to deal with these things. I think when you're so sick, the psychological part of it, you're, you're kind of, you, your survival mode kicks in. I think when you're that sick, you don't really have time to think of those things because you're fighting to survive. Mm. Um, I think a lot of those things come afterwards and I think that's what makes it very difficult that psychosocial part of things you need the supports often afterwards after that fight for survival dies down a little bit and maybe when you're that little bit better because you have time to reflect and you have time to think god what what just happened I just had to fight for my life just there and I had to really when you're 13 years of age 13 14 15 when your friends are out you know going to discos or you know you're talking about boys and you know I have a lot of journals from that time or diaries and they're they're really funny to read because you know one minute I'm talking about oh god you know I just got told I had cancer and I really fancy this boy my god he's so cute you know it's it's this juxtaposition of talking about cancer and boys and the one thing so it's really unusual yeah. but it, it is that two parallel thing, two parallel, parallel worlds, worlds isn't it you know? in a so way it's a difficult thing to contend with mm. yeah now, now you've come through and you're out the other side and, and, and the purpose of Can Care for Living and the objectives are to bring together people who've gone this journey and yeah. have had issues to deal with as they travel on in their lives mm. how have you been affected what are the big issues for you as you head into your 20s then late teens 20s into 30s um the biggest things for me i think would be chronic pain um and then there's other things like you can hear my voice um one of it has this croaky element to it and that's something one of the examples of these little things that 
creep up and uh, you find You should out love it is that a, voice. Well, I, do you understand? <laughs> it's, it's that never said to you before. Uh, no, well, no. people comment on it a lot and think, oh God, you have a sore throat. But um, it's actually, it just happens 10, 15 years after radiotherapy. Okay. It's actually mm. a paralysed um, vocal cord. That's a delayed onset from radiotherapy mm. um, that happened, you know, 15 years after mm. um, treatment. Um, but things like chronic pain and for me, I think the worst things are the psychosocial elements of things. Something that hit me massively was finding out things like I can't get a mortgage. You know, th- those things are massive because you can't get things life assurance or um, my education has been so massively fractured. Uh, I didn't do things like second or third year in school. Then you go on and, you know, I skipped ahead. But then things like college and uh, you know, they have a massive effect and like I said before about having to deal with the psychological things when you're I suppose when your life calms down a little bit between the hospitalizations and the big surgeries and and those um, things um, yeah I think those late effects they really do um, can have a massive impact on your life you've just caught me there you know the things I'd never consider to be honest Mm. with you the issues that you have practical day to day issues about living it's those practical day to day things that I suppose people that have fought so hard to survive and want to get back to the workforce or education and just lead everyday lives Mm. it's made that bit more difficult Let's bring Dr Julie Byrne into the conversation My God, this young woman is uh, fantastic, isn't she? And this organisation Can Care for Living Maybe you talk a little bit more about that We've, We've heard Aoife's story there That's atypical of the people who come to you? Aoife is uh, remarkable. Indeed, she is. Um, We have had many remarkable stories which differ in their detail from Aoife's, but in general, there are lots of similar stories that tell us about the struggles people have 10, 15, 20 years after being successfully treated for their primary cancer and they're sent home and they're said to be cured and they are cured of their primary cancer, but they're left with a lot of disability which manifests itself later on. It doesn't all happen right away. And that's a big problem. We don't know that much about what happens 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years beyond this experience. We're just finding that out now and is quite a bit more serious than we had imagined. So my involvement in this um, is now 10 years or so more with the Boyne Research Institute, We've been in Drawda for about 30 years, and we've been um, looking at a number of issues, including birth defects, and I've been on your show before. That's right. Thanks, Jerry, talking about birth defects and spina bifida in particular. But about 10 years ago, I re-engaged with this area through um, this European organization called PANCARE. And PANCARE is a pan-European network of professionals, survivors, families, concerned with the long-term consequences of treatment for childhood cancer. So we had um, a series of open houses, and at one of them, two parents arrived, not known, not knowing each other beforehand, Patricia McColgan and Gary Owens, both the parents of young men who'd had a brain tumor. And so they connected up as part of our open house, and we eventually decided that we'd start a new organization, or let's say an organization in Ireland for the first time, 
to represent parents and survivors, families, friends, supporters, also professionals and others concerned with these issues of long-term survival. So this is Can Care for Living, and we're having our Draw the Road show this Thursday in the Westcourt Hotel at 7 p.m., and we extend a serious invitation to anybody who's had... um, the experience of cancer in their families or themselves, parents or survivors or researchers or physicians to come and hear more about this issue and what PAN Can Care for a Living is intended to do, which is to advocate for survivors and to put in place some kind of continuous care because Aoife will tell you that one of her major issues is not having um, a health record in front of the doctor when she goes to see the doctor, so that the health care system is not connecting her up to all of its elements. Mm-hmm. So that leaves her in a very vulnerable position when it comes to some somebody sitting across the desk from her trying to figure out what's wrong with her today. Can Care for Living is an organisation keen to hear from people who've been through cancer as children or adolescents and they're having a big meeting in the Westcourt Hotel in Drogheda this Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. And again, just on the criteria, it's open to anybody, Julie, of a child or adolescent who's been through uh, the cancer journey and their families, is that it? And their families, yes. Uh, Parents are obviously particularly concerned about the long-term consequences on behalf of their children. But professionals and... Others who see uh, families and children are very welcome to come as well. And the phone number for more information is 086-253-2819. And that's for Patricia McColgan. And we'll have that number available off our usual number, 1850 They all know that number. If you want to call in, it'll be there uh, when we finish up here at around 2 o'clock with the interview. Um, Julie, just with you for a second again, um, 80% survival is terrific, isn't it? Best international standards. Here's my question. Can it go higher? It can. It can, and it is going higher. 80% is the number that we use for overall survival of every type of childhood cancer. And it actually conceals considerable variability because some types of cancer don't do as well as that, but other types do much better. So in some places um, with some types of tumour, like leukaemia or Hodgkin's disease, five-year survival can reach 90%. So there's definitely room for improvement, and people are working all the time at new therapies to try to get that number up. Here's a question crossed my mind when you were coming to me today to ask you. Um, When a child or an adolescent is thrown into this scenario of being diagnosed with cancer and treatment is urgent and there's a programme set out for them, do the uh, consultants and doctors at that stage ever think about, you know, the implications down the road? Is that part of that part of the process? And has it always been like that? At the moment, it is very much part of what people, families, children here, when they come in for the the diagnosis stage and the here's the treatment that we're going to give you, because they also tell the families what the treatments may do in the immediate term, but also in the long term. And particularly, for instance, something like fertility. If a child is coming in and needs a lot of radiation to the area of the pelvis that involves the those organs, that child may not be able to become a parent or may have difficulty becoming a parent. That's all explained at the time. 
And of course, for many families, they're so caught up in the trauma of this event that they're not going to take it in. Mm -hmm. Plus, they don't want to hear it because it doesn't impinge on what's happening today, which is my child's life has to be saved. And that's the immediate concern. So people will say to us, you know, we've done all these surveys about um, how do you get this information across? It's really hard. But if you give people something written that they can take away with them, at least they have the opportunity to come back and look at it. And we have done that study in Europe, and we have a very nice brochure with lots of fairly amusing cartoons that are very attractive. Um, And that helps quite a bit because... People come back to that question later on when they're over the immediate shock. Um, I'm not just talking about fertility, but every organ can be affected by different kinds of cancer treatment. So we're talking about um, problems with understanding and learning and hearing and seeing and everything that you can think of. So there is a, a very complicated scenario after childhood cancer and parents and families need as much information as possible. Yeah, so it's a lot of issues across the board. Back to Aoife Morgan for a moment. I'm curious now, what what are you up to at this stage with your life? You said you missed out on some education. It didn't run for you the way you would have liked it to do. What are you doing now? Well, I've been really lucky. Um, I suppose I have been in education. It's just been very, very fractured along the way. Um, I have an undergrad in psychology, so it just took me a bit longer to get it. Uh, and I'm now doing a master's in psychotherapy um, in DCU. Terrific. So I've just started back doing that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's been great. And may I say, you'll bring an awful lot of experience from your life to bear on this. Well, I hope so. That's, um, yeah, I would mm. love to be able to work with people, eventually work with people that maybe have been sick. And that's ultimately something I'd love to be able to do. Yes. I know it has been such a difficult journey for people. Mm. Um, and, yeah. And in, in, in life terms then as well, the other issues you brought up there, do you, do you think about them a lot? Do you know what I mean? If you do want to go your own way and get a place of your own, is that simply just not possible? Just to come back to that for a moment. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't see how it is. It, it's going to be very difficult. Um, you know, I'm living at home at the moment and, you know, it, that's a difficult I'm 33, you know, that's not mm. ideal. It's not what I want to be able to yes. um, do. So th- there are a lot of barriers there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's having to fight is, again, is a reoccurring theme, I feel, because it's like having to fight for all these services. Um, I feel like I have to fight for a lot of doctors, for example. It's a, something you also have to do because those services just aren't there. You brought up about how it's 80%, which is amazing, and that is the medical teams in Ireland are brilliant. I've had such amazing care here. Um, But you do have to fight for an awful lot because there isn't a coordinated care for when you have uh, long-term effects. Yeah, so in other words, you're cured, as Julie said earlier, or you may have said, and away you go, and good luck to you. Exactly. That connect is not there. And as well, may I say today, you are unfairly disadvantaged by this state. You know, the Constitution said when it was set up to care for all the children of the state equally. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening, is it, in your case now? No, well, and I'm also I'm very lucky in that I have um, health insurance, so I can imagine it would be even more difficult if you don't. Yes. So uh, when you have to 
Julie brought up that about my um, like my notes for example mm. um, I went to a doctor recently and he was like can you just actually give me a brief history there and I was like no actually I can't give you a brief history um, you know I have 20 years of history and I'm terrible in that I don't know all of my history um, mm. and it's in different hospitals all over because I've had so many surgeries I've had so many treatments and they don't communicate with each other you can't get you you know scans in one place scans in another and you can they actually you can't actually get them even though they might be in different HSE hospitals they don't communicate so and that's actually quite dangerous I feel because information gets lost and especially over all that time and so there really needs to be a coordinated care um, I Absolutely. Feel, um, for people Absolutely. Because, uh, and to keep on having to fight for that and keep on having to check up and go to one doctor and try and get them to communicate with another. It's, it can be exhausting. I hear your frustrations and I want to say one thing today. You shouldn't be disadvantaged either with those other things in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Insurance and getting a home and things like that. By God, this has to be looked at. Yeah, and can care for a living. That's exactly our purpose is to provide some kind of coordinated care within the state for these issues that childhood cancer survivors should not have to fight for. They've already fought successfully for their lives and now they have to fight to have the same quality of life as everybody else. And it's really unacceptable in this day and age. So our objective is working with the National Cancer Control Program, which is the agency that delivers cancer care in this country, is to put in place psychotherapeutic Um, services as well as health services for parents and survivors across the country. That's coordinated and that's available right across the country for everybody. One of our roadshows was in Donegal in Letterkenny and you should hear what people have to say in Letterkenny about Mm -hmm. trying to get to Dublin Mm -hmm. for services Mm -hmm. and the way that um, they have to fight just for appointments, not at half eight in the morning, but some reasonable time that don't have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to drive to Dublin. There are such a range of issues here and I want to say again just before we finish I'm reminding you in the North East and beyond if you're listening today you are welcome to draw to the West Court Hotel this Thursday it begins at 7 o'clock if you have somebody who's been through childhood or adolescent cancer you'd be more than welcome to come along this is a great organisation Can Care for Living we have the number as well if you want to find out more information which we'll pass on to uh, Breach at reception she'll give it out to you 1850 715958 my god you've made an impact on me today I have to say Aoife Morgan thank you so much for joining me on the show f- to tell your story as well I wish you well and with the organisation you're an advocate you. for it and a wonderful advocate may I say and thanks as always Dr thank Julie you. Byrne from the Boyne Research Institute thank you for joining me on the show thanks so thank much you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park the nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk Eva Morgan was with us top of the show and I forgot to mention her mum Anne was with her today and it's her birthday and I want to say a big happy birthday to Anne Morgan I met her here a few moments ago and I believe they're probably listening in the car as they travel away from LMFM so happy birthday Anne to you you have a wonderful wonderful daughter let me say and we have more comments in about her which I'll get to a little bit later on here's a story for you folks Joe Gavin and Paul McCourt first met in 2011 a year later the pair set up Celtic wind crops with a view to growing hemp and other ancient 
ancient grains on lands in the Cooley Peninsula. Roll the years on and that initial idea has evolved to the point where the company has literally struck gold in the form of CBD oil which sees Celtic Wind set to expand rapidly. It's a great story and one of the principals, Joe Gavin, is here to tell us more. Joe, you are very welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jay. Nice to be Thank here. Thank you very much for joining me. Did you know each other at the period before this hook up in 2011? No, actually my brother who lives in Dundalk introduced us in 2011. Paul had the idea to look at hemp and Paul has been studying ancient history and realised that Napoleon had marched his armies on hemp, he clothed them, he fed them, he sheltered them. So uh, Pat, who suggested to me that um, I should talk to Paul because Paul had this idea, Pat knew Paul. Pat introduced the two of us in 2011. We thought it was a good idea. But ironically, we weren't looking at what, we're, what we have on the table today, Jerry. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, the link now I want to make in yeah. a minute. But here's the thing. Hemp, flax, what else were you going to grow? What was the initial intention? Well, the intention is that you, you've heard all the stories about the ancient grains now, the plant-based foods that people are yes. talking about and lots of people going vegan, etc. But plant-based nutrients and nutrient-dense plant-based foods are big news at the moment. So we felt things like hemp and flax and other ancient grains could be grown in this country and hemp hadn't been grown in this country for many years so we actually started it by wanting to bring the hemp industry back to Ireland that was our plan And the Cooley Peninsula obviously Paul's from that neck of the woods you've lots of links with yeah. County Loud and especially North Loud as well sure. Why the Cooley Peninsula and how did you get started had he land or you land or did you go to a farmer? No, I suppose in, in some respect Paul lived in Dundalk um, I didn't really know much in the farming community, but Paul was connected to some of the farmers. And obviously we know that there's fabulous tillage land up on the east coast of Ireland. Mm. It turns out that the Cooley Peninsula is a great early planting area and it's near the coast, etc. So it's a great place to grow crops. And Paul knew some of the farmers and he went to speak to them and asked about growing hemp and they actually asked him then how to grow hemp. So between the two of them, they decided that they'd have a go at growing hemp to start with. Isn't it great? So away you go and early doors. So what do you do in early doors? You're extracting the, 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 the grain, is it? No, from? actually the business started off looking at the straw. <laughs> this Ironically. is even better. Yeah. <laughs> so the CBD oil and cannabis oil and all the conversations going on, but hadn't even started. Okay. The conversation didn't change till about 2015, ironically. So we started off looking at the straw. And the straw can be broken into a number of component parts. There's fibre on the outside. The inside of the straw can be broken up and used uh, a product called shiv, which is broken up into small pieces, be used for animal bedding. You can actually build with hemp. And there's some reports that if you build with hemp, the buildings that you build would need no heating or cooling because they maintain a constant temperature. And this is like because of the thermal properties. The fibre is being used to replace fibreglass across the world. So the straw in itself has a range of different um, applications. And we've just done a big deal with a a mattress manufacturer in the UK who wants to take all our straw to replace polyurethane and foam in mattresses to make them more biodegradable. (laughs) So that's where we started, ironically. God, you've turned the wheel as well back to ancient times when, as you said, it was used in ancient history Mm. and right up along, but fell out of favour. So we move on along. That's your initial thought. But what mm. about, is, there's, there's a hemp grain. There's a, there's a seed. Sure, there's yeah. a seed, yeah. What did you do with that in the early days? 
Well, we weren't really growing for the seed, so you can harvest it earlier than when the seed matures. And mm. I mean, I'm not the, the, the technical guy around this, but I mean, ironically, when we went after the straw in the early days, nobody really wanted to talk to us. It was very capital intensive and we needed a couple of million to open a facility. But I think most people just thought we were trying to grow weed. <laughs> That was just the way it was. So we had to talk people around. And really, by the time 2015 came, we were very deep in the hole financially. We hadn't had a product. We didn't sell a product till December 2016. So we went four years with doing pretty much the shoe leather around the investor community, Enterprise Ireland, a number of people. And we just couldn't get anybody to talk to us. It just didn't seem to click with people. And now make the link to the CBD oil. How did that happen? Who got that eureka moment? Bing! Um, Paul, I think, to be fair to him, has always been looking at everything to do with ancient grains. So Paul had realised that there was the CBD oil, there was cannabinoids, the body has an endocannabinoid system. So that whole piece, Paul had been researching it and uh, he's quite uh, uh, interested in the whole space and he's able to gather all that information to get and make sense of it. I was watching internationally what was going on because I'm the commercial guy. So I was watching internationally what was going on in the international markets. And the conversation changed overnight in the US, particularly when they started allowing these medical dispensaries to, to dispense medical cannabis. So it changed overnight in 2015. And by the time 2016 came, Paul and I had looked at how we craft a product out of the seed Ignore the straw for the moment and we went after the seed. So we grew a crop then for the seed, successfully realised we could create CBD oil from hemp because your listeners won't know, probably won't know this, but cannabis describes hemp and marijuana. There's probably 50,000 various different varieties of the plant. So the confusion is that People think uh, cannabis means just marijuana, but cannabis describes hemp and marijuana, but hemp doesn't have the psychoactive. That is the key That's factor the key. here. That's the TCH, is it? THC. THC. Yeah, I knew it was THC. I've <laughs> <laughs> just invented a new <laughs> compound on late lunch this afternoon. God knows what that'll do to you. <laughs> it doesn't have, yeah. have, have THC, the one yeah. that you don't want, yeah, the THC. Yeah. So, and, and, and here's the thing with, with you guys as well, I noticed. You, you extract the pure, the real thing mm. on its own. And what you have in these little bottles beside me is pure. You that you are differentiated from others mm. by that, aren't well, you? Well, the confusion, and actually, but even in the question, Jerry, the confusion is clear. So we don't extract. Everybody else extracts out one compound called CBD and drops it into olive oil or coconut oil. We effectively squeeze the entire plant and put it, what comes out of it, into the bottle. So the analogy of orange juice... That Just I'm, not the seed. Or just the seed? Well, the seed and some component parts okay, of the plant. of which, the plant. Which is part of, I suppose, what we protect the IP. But effectively, if you could imagine orange juice, we squeeze all the oranges, put everything we get in the bottle. Everybody else gets a bottle of water and puts in orange cordial. So you can imagine, we've got pure 100% CBD, or 100% hemp oil with 5% CBD in it. Other people have CBD and probably 95% olive oil or coconut oil. Now, if that's 
but they want to sell, that's fine. But we want to sell a 100% pure, multi-complex hemp oil with a range of compounds in there, including CBD, because okay. there's 70 or 80 cannabinoids in there, and some of the other cannabinoids are fantastic. Mm, so you do not extract. That's the main point here. What key. you get in here comes from the hemp plant entirely. And we're the only ones that we can come across in the world that are actually doing it this way. Everybody else is selling extra. <laughs> so that's amazing. Do you get funny looks? <laughs> Thinking, this is a, a, a mass-scale illegal operation in North Loud. Well, it's, I'm glad you asked me that because so that your listeners are aware, we're fully legal, we're fully compliant, we're signed up by the Food Safety Authority of Ireland as a food supplement, we're registered with the HSE, we've HACCP approval, we're signed up to Board B as Origin Green Initiative. Um, so we've lots of belt and braces around the compliance. That's mm. an, a really important. And consumers need to know a couple of things. First of all, they need to know that the product is absolutely safe. So that's one of our key platforms. The product is absolutely safe. Secondly, it's fully natural. And then thirdly, I've taken all of the calls from consumers in two years since we started the business personally, which wouldn't normally happen. The CEO doesn't normally <laughs> take the phone call because, I mean, we've lots of things to do as CEOs, as you can imagine. But taking the phone calls from consumers has been fantastic. And the things they have said to me personally means I can repeat them to other people and say that this person told me how wonderful this product. And we haven't had a single negative phone call Isn't that marvellous? So, for example, what can this oil assist with? Well, we're not allowed to give any medical advice under the law, but the people who phone me tell me that it's helped autistic children with seizures, it's helped fibromyalgia, it's helped multiple sclerosis, it's helped epilepsy, it's helped a number of different ailments. A man in West Cork who has arthritis in his legs and his feet for four years, couldn't go out in the garden, was back out after two weeks. So we've had lots of phone calls, really positive phone calls from people. And these are people telling me personally so it's not like um, I'm hearing it third hand. They're telling me personally, and then I can repeat that to tell other people what they've said. But we're not allowed to use testimonials. Yeah. We're not allowed to use it in our marketing materials. We're not allowed to repeat on, on any of our marketing materials what people tell us. So we, we, we respect the fact that there, there has to be a yeah. certain amount of legislation. The problem we have, Jerry, to be honest, is everybody else is getting away with murder. Everybody else is getting away because the regulators are not doing their job. Anne is on to say, Jerry, will you ask Joe, uh, I'm just wondering, are there any side effects from this? No, we've no reported side effects. And I suppose the couple of things that are really, really important here is that it's a fully natural product, so you can't overdose on it. It's, um, it doesn't have contain the psychoactive. So we have no known side effects. Mm. How do you take it? What's the dosage you take of this, of the oil, let's say? Yeah, so there's a a dropper in every bottle and the full dropper full once a day delivers about 0.7 ml of liquid. And that'll give you approximately 35 to 50 milligrams of CBD in every dropper full. Mm. And we recommend you take a full dropper full once a day under your tongue. That's it. Simple as that. That's it. Come back to the growing of this. Uh, What was your acreage, say, last year? How much acreage of hemp did you grow? We did 120 acres last year. What's your plan for this year? 600 acres. That's a huge jump. It's enormous. Isn't it? Well, the year before last, we did 50 acres. And the way the business is growing, uh, it's just growing exponentially. So we're, we're running really, really fast to keep up with the fastest business I've ever been involved with. 
Farming-wise, land-wise, agriculture, have you people queuing up to assist you with more acreage if you want to even go further? Yeah, so we have farmers who would talk to Paul on a regular basis about expanding where we grow the product. So one of the challenges is that once you touch the product or the the, the crop in the field, you have about 8 to 12 hours to get it into a shelf-stable condition and, and put it into the warehouse. So the challenge here is you need to be close to your facility. But we do have the uh, plan to go further afield. So we'll have a grow region in Northern Ireland this year mm. and we'll we'll expand further afield because we've developed a couple of techniques to be able to hold on to the seed a little bit longer. So we are going to expand our grow region this year. So, I mean, there's great tillage land in this country, particularly up, as I said, up the uh, east coast of Ireland, etc. And there's great tillage land in a lot of other places in Ireland. So we've lots of people on the phone looking to grow for us. And... Um, to be honest, growing is part of it. Like you need to get a license from the government to grow hemp, so it's not a straightforward. But then everything you do from the time you put the seed in the ground, there's about seven or eight uh, processes that the lads in, in the facility in Dundalk have developed. And once they do all of those things correctly, you could lose the crop entirely if you're not careful. So you just have to be really careful. It grows from April to September and it grows to about 12 feet tall in 90 days so harvesting a 12 foot tall crop when most farmers you know would have the the head of the combine on the ground ours is 6 foot up in the air Mm. so harvesting it is challenging dealing with it is challenging getting it dried quickly in a 12 hour window is challenging and then making sure that you have it in a shelf stable condition so they're the important elements but it's as I said it's a fully natural product we don't use any herbicides or pesticides I was going to ask you that so it's free completely free free of any of that and the land we use uh, we, we do soil tests we do tests in the field on the crop we do tests on the crop when it comes into the facility we do tests in the oil when we bottle it and then we publish our lab reports then um on our website. So I know there's a lot of people very interested in what we're doing to see if they can uh, find out what we're doing. But we're a little bit careful at all that, as you would be. Mm. Actually, you have to mind something that's yeah. your baby and Correct. that's going to grow up Correct. and you will nurture for sure. Um, the plant you mentioned there, where it goes into and all that process that has to be followed when you harvest it, where is that plant? That facility is in Dundalk. We don't have any signs up, obviously, because of what we do and yes. and, and, and the process and, and what we what we create. Our office is in RD. Our manufacturing facility is not far off the M1 mm. uh, in Dundalk. Okay. So, and we're so very that is close local. To our, and we're very close to our growing yeah. region. Um, you're opening up new channels. You've just, I know, agreed a deal in the UK. You're going back to America shortly because there is some opportunity over there. Mm. Do you really believe, Joe, that there's the potential within the next four years, it looks like, you've said 2023, to employ 250 people? Yeah, so we've looked at our five-year plan and it certainly appears that we'll have to recruit a minimum of 20 to 30 people this year, additional to the 16 we've already hired in the last 18 months. We'll need another 20 to 30 people this year. And that will become 200 to 250 people by year five. So this is growing faster. And the speed at which it is growing is probably, if anything keeps me awake as the CEO of the company, it's the speed at which everything is moving. I've never been involved in a business. I'm 40 years in sales and marketing. I've never been involved in a business that's going as fast as this. But we're well able to keep up with it. And we've some really talented people. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com the company now so we see ourselves as being a very large employer very quickly and a very very strong Irish success story internationally I'm sure again coming back to the point people are saying oh my god you know there's been such a debate around the legalisation of this that and the other in in the world of drugs as well um, and, and those questions will probably continue you know to, to be asked well, by we people. are being asked quite a lot of questions and one of the things that we're clear about is that we grow a crop called hemp which is no psychoactive in it it has a lot of the beneficial properties that people associate with medical cannabis but we've we've argued from time to time that, for instance, Simon Harris, the Minister for Health, has mentioned that he thinks people should grow for medical cannabis in this country in order to get CBD. We've written to the Minister and said we have CBD. We had a visit from Mairead McGuinness, the Vice President of the European Parliament recently, and uh, she was really excited about what we're doing as a company and and what we're doing within, within agriculture. And uh, we believe that we can help a lot of people if the minister acknowledged that we exist and would be prepared to talk to us. So we'd love to talk to the minister, obviously. Another question coming in to 086-1800-658 as we speak. Uh, can you take this with different types of medications? I'm thinking of antibiotics and uh, standard medications for blood pressure, heart, etc. Well, we're not allowed to give medical advice because we're registered as a food supplement and we would always recommend that people speak to their medical practitioner. I mean, that's a really important one for us. I know there are a lot of doctors and pharmacists who are looking at this product and examining and there are people recommending it to their patients, but we would always advise you speak to your medical practitioner. Okay, that's very good advice there. You need to talk to the medical professionals, as Joe says, first and uh, take their advice at, at all times. This, it's amazing really. Did you ever envisage that this would be the outcome when you were talking about straw and building houses and this thing for insulating and fiberglass replacement? Did you ever, ever believe that you'd be at this point today, that it would take off like this? I don't think anybody, Jerry, could have predicted the success uh, of this product so quickly. But I think the consumer is ready for a product like this. I think that what's happening is there's a lot of uh, um, 
people who are unhappy with what's been happening. When we went to the US in November, we spoke to a number of people about the opioid crisis there, which is really a crisis of, of magnanimous proportions. And we genuinely believe our product is going to help people within the pain management category. Uh, so we're talking to people in the US at a very senior level in very large companies who are really interested in our product, primarily because it's pure, because it's native, which means it's it's natural to the body, and because it's 100% natural as well. So we're getting a lot of traction from people because they, they believe this product is one of these products that comes along once in a lifetime. I wouldn't have predicted two or three years ago that we'd be in this place. But having said that, we're well up for it. And after 40 years in sales and marketing, maybe it's it's that that's after been making me an overnight success after 40 years. <laughs> it's great. I love these stories. Mm. Just one thing before we finish up. The, the byproduct aspect of this, mm. does that still remain important or less important now? Which is where you started off, really. Well, we are um, looking at all aspects of the business. So we don't want to be just a CBD uh, company. We we want to be known as a company who brought hemp back to Ireland and we will develop ancient grains. So we're back looking at the straw. We have a number of customers for the straw. There's a programme called Grand Design. You'll know about on TV. Very Kevin, well. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin McLeod. I love done, it. I well, love he's it. done one on um, building a 26-house development in Scotland with hemp. And his comment at the end of the show is, I can't think of another another product that we could use to build it's a no-brainer the new Lotus Elise car is built out of hemp straw and hemp fibre so there's lots of things we can do with this and you use the entire plant which is great I wonder would you put the oil into the engine of the Lotus would it make a bit of a difference (laughs) (laughs) well Henry Ford actually in the 50s apparently built a car out of hemp and you can hit it with a sledgehammer not with a dent in it so I'm sure the oil might work Move over, GTX. <laughs> Here comes the boys from Celtic Wind Crops. Joe, it's a great story. It really thanks, is. Jerry, and thanks. thanks so much for dropping in to You're tell welcome. us about it nice today. I really appreciate it. And thanks, good man. luck to yourself and Paul. And we'll watch this space with keen interest going sure. forward. Joe Gavin, thanks a million. Thanks a lot, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Lovely to hear from Nigel McKenna in New York. He heard me mentioning the cold at the top of the show here in Ireland. Say, well, cold for us, Nigel. You know what I mean? I think it went to zero or minus one last night. Hi, Jerry. It's dangerously cold in New York City today. Minus 20 centigrade. And we are complaining about zero and minus one. With a wind chill as well. Jerry, you should see it. Everyone is walking so fast outside going from A to B. You would think God pressed the fast forward button <laughs> for walking in the city today. Nigel, good to hear from you from the Big Apple. Uh, just another one to mention. Uh, interesting indeed with the environment in mind. If you have an interest in cars or are thinking of buying a new car, then you might be interested to know that the Toyota 191 Hybrid show, the 191 Hybrids, uh, is going on at Malone's of Navin this afternoon from 4 to 8. So that's Malone's and Navin, 4 to 8, the Toyota 191 Hybrid Road Show. And then it moves to Malone's in Drogheda uh, tomorrow, Tuesday morning, from 9 o'clock till half past 1. And it gives a, a motoring enthusiast their first chance to see in the flesh the four new Toyota Hybrid cars, which will become available during the year. The big into the hybrids in Toyota, John Malone and the crew. So Navin this afternoon, if you want to catch a look, 4 to 8 and then Drogheda in the morning from 9 until 1.30. We wish them well with that. Now, she's 
in the news once more. Sandra Higgins I'm talking about from Eden Farmed Animal Sanctuary in Meath. I was over there a few years ago with Sandra and she is a wonderful woman and has a fantastic place. She's also the woman behind Go Vegan World and those advertising campaigns that have really made an impact and caught people's attention. And I'm sure the recent Lancet report on changing our eating habits for better health and the good of the planet have been music to Sandra's ears. She's in the news. She's on the line with me. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Jerry. Thank you for having me on. Not at all. Thank you for taking my call today. God, I had the Sunday Times yesterday and I read about you once and then I read about you twice. You're in it twice, Sandra. (laughs) I'm in it twice and and the subject matter is actually in it three times because Justine McCarthy had a very good article on that new report. That is right as well. That's in it also. Well, look, they're talking to you about, I suppose, Sandra... They're wondering, like the advertising campaign, I mentioned that their Go Vegan World has made a huge impact. And what they were questioning in the paper yesterday, I'm sure lots of people didn't see it or read it, is it costs money for these ads. And they're asking you, where are you getting the money from? Do you want to tell us again how you explained it to the newspaper? Well, you know, they're, they're suspicious about the money because we live in a world where people generally don't do something for nothing. They don't hand out money because they want to help someone else. And in this case, that's all it is. It's uh, people who share my view of animal rights, that our use of other animals is wrong. It's wrong because it harms them. It's wrong because it uses and owns them and takes their lives from them. And there are intersectional reasons why it's wrong for human health and, and for our environment. And they have funded the campaign simply to change things for other animals. They're not corporate donations. There's nothing sinister. We give everything away. We don't, char- we, don't, we don't charge for anything. A lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon of veganism and they offer wellness programs and they, they publish books. Well, we don't do anything like that. We give, we give all our help and support and advice and our vegan guide and everything away for nothing. And the people who are funding us are getting nothing in return except the joy that Go Vegan World has brought because so many people have gone vegan on foot of the ads. So there's nothing sinister, you're repeating that again behind it, there's no extremists behind this, nothing like that. They are people who want to see change and want to remain anonymous and support you and the campaigns. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that's the bottom line. And far from being an anti-farmer campaign, we are fully supportive of farmers. What we are against is the use of other animals as food and clothing or any other use. We're not against farmers. And we do understand anybody who mis- who's misunderstanding the issue and fears for their livelihood. We have no desire to take anyone's livelihood from them. We- the humans will still have to eat. We still have to wear clothes. There'll still be a role for farmers and they'll be very much respected in a vegan world, but we'll be living from plants rather than animals. How, Sandra, I I think I mentioned this to you before, and you might remind me again, I suppose when you look at an Irish context at the moment, we produce an awful lot of dairy. We produce a sizable amount of beef, pork, lamb, which all involves animals. How would you transition that to make the change? How long would that take? You'd need big buy-in from the farming community as well. Would it ever happen, do you think? Well, I think it has to happen, you know, because the, the the reports that have come out in the last few years, for instance, if you take the report that came out in 2016 from Oxford University, the Oxford Martin School, they found that uh, if we went vegan by 2050, we would 
save 8 million li- human lives, we would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by two thirds and we would save $1.5 trillion in healthcare costs. So the, the writing is on, on the table for animal agriculture. Farmers really felt the pinch last year in 2018 between the, the very tough long winter and then the drought in the summer that, that nearly, nearly finished it. And what they don't realise is that animal agriculture is what is contributing to these. It's the biggest contributor that we can easily change to these extremes of weather. Do you think, though, back to the point again, can it be done in a reasonable period of time? You know, to turn this huge wheel the other way and go over to crop production nearly in its entirety. And and, and do you honestly believe that could be made viable and there's enough markets in the world to make that viable for agriculture in Ireland? I think it's, it, it'll take a concerted effort. Go Vegan World is particularly uh, We target the individual man, woman and child on the street to change how they live for ethical reasons. But that that effect has caused a growing demand for plant plant foods in particular. But cosmetics and clothing as well. Marks and Spencers have just launched a a vegan footwear range. So it's not only food, but our, our way of doing it targets the man on the street to change. And that has caused a growing demand for plant products. And the industry is following foot. So actually the dairy and the, and the animal flesh industries own some of these companies that produce the plant equivalents so that they can see that the writing is on the cards. They can see that the demand has changed and they're meeting it. What we need to do is help farmers to transition so that they're not the ones left behind. And it makes economic sense. If you think that in another year or two, Ireland is going to face five or six hundred million fines in tax for failing to meet greenhouse gas emission targets. If, if we could avoid that, if we did something simple like help farmers to, tra- to change their farms to forestry. So even though, you know, I, I know a lot of people will guffaw at that idea, but it makes economic sense because otherwise we're going to face such huge changes. The demand is there for us to grow crops that, that could grow very well in Ireland. For, for instance, there's a huge expansion in the production of oat milk as a replacement for dairy milk by, by vegans and by people consuming a plant diet. Oats grow very well in Ireland. So that, that's a market that we can cash in on very quickly. Um, and not, vegans just don't eat tinned baked beans. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things that you can do with pulses. You can make... Uh, meat analogues from them you can make there's a company actually making milk from peas we we can make uh, plant milk from from soya beans pulses grow very well in ireland so this is entirely feasible you know not, ireland is naturally covered in forestry um our soft fruits grow extremely well the cob nut is a bigger and sweeter nut than the hazelnut that grows naturally in ireland and other countries are using these products and Ireland is not where a a tiny amount of our land is used to grow uh, crops and most of those crops are are fed to other animals to be then converted into flesh. So it covers everything Sandra you're talking about for no more fish poultry pork beef lamb milk the derivative of of, of cows as well all that would be gone and replaced by uh, alternatives derived from the plants. It would. And you see, 
even the even the use of 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 a word like pork 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 is a pig and a pig is is a being who has feelings and senses and a brain the same as we have so it's not just a change in how farmers farm this will be a complete change in how we think about and feel about other animals um I'm not saying that it's the same, but it's comparable to how we discriminated against other humans, for instance, on the basis of their colour or their sexual orientation or their religion or their race or whatever. Um, We completely underestimate the innate goodness in humans. I'm not saying that we don't have a very dark side. We do. But there's an innate goodness in, in humans and we're well able to progress and change. If you think of um, the smoking ban, you know, we all we all thought that we'd never achieve that. And and we did. We achieved it very easily mm. and very successfully. I remember when computers came into the workplace, a lot of older people were terrified. Some people even resigned rather than have to computerise their, their offices. And now we can't do without computers and they have a lot of advantages and they've greatly improved the workplace. So you're making the analogy that mankind is, and womankind of course, is adaptable and can change if we they want change. to. I suppose yeah. it's a big change or a big concept for people to feel, you know, that animals can't talk like ourselves, they can't express themselves like humans can, they don't seem to have the human intelligence, although I wonder at times, Sandra, are we intelligent at all as beings you do. when you see <laughs> things that are happening? I really do question it, I have to be honest with you. But yeah. here's another thing, do you feel the tide is turning because because there seems to be a lot of talk now about, you know what I mean, reducing, turning this for our health, for the planet. And of course, the Taoiseach even last week said he was going to cut down on red meat. The tide is definitely turning. It's just that there is a lot of confusion out there because baby steps like eliminating one type of animal use is not going to cut it. In order for this to work, we need to completely change how we think about and feel about other animals. And, you know, if you, if you, if you went on, to hol- on holidays, Jerry, to a country where you didn't speak their language, you wouldn't understand them in the same way that we don't understand the way other animals communicate with each other. But the one thing that, that you do know is that if you grabbed one of them and hurt them or put a knife to their neck, you know that they would run away because they want to avoid harm and they have an interest in staying alive. And that's all we need to know and, you know, I walked through a couple of shops there before Christmas and I saw the way everything was beautifully baked and packaged. And it's so easy to forget that inside that beautiful packaging is the, the dead body of somebody who wanted to stay alive. And they might not be the same as humans, but in terms of valuing their life and not wanting to be hurt or and not wanting to die and not wanting to be used and owned, there's no difference between us. My God, like you have a real passion and, and a sense, I have to say, for um, what you see and what you observe as well. And you put it, I suppose, to a lot of people, it, it's shocking when they hear you say things like that. But, you know, it, it is the, it is the truth. You don't speak uh, anything but the truth. Here's another one for you from the world of politics. I have to bring it in because I'm sure you'll have a, a smirk at this. It made me laugh immensely last week. What about Mr. Danny Healy Ray saying that non-meat eaters couldn't do a hard day's work? Can you feed that man with plant-based foods and put him to work for 24 hours non-stop? Yeah, well, it was an insult to the, the Taoiseach uh, because he had said yes. that he was going to reduce uh, his, his meat intake. 
you know, we see this fight from the farmers, but it's very strange that we're not seeing it from any other industry. So, for instance, the cosmetics industry, the fragrance industry, the clothing industry, they're all adopt, adapting and changing how they produce to meet, to meet the growing market for, 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 for products that have not used the bodies or the ingredients or the lives of other animals. The, the, the animal agricultural industry is the one that's fighting back stronger than anyone. And if you, you know, just for just to clear up that point that Danny Healy made for any of your listeners, if you if you look at the list of vegan athletes, wrestlers, rugby players, bodybuilders, runners, you know, Germany's strongest man who are thriving on a plant diet. And all the World Dietetics Associations concur that a plant diet is nutritionally adequate. And in fact, we can go a little bit further now and we can see from all the reports that are coming out that it it can confer great health benefits. Of course, you can eat a junk food plant diet that doesn't harm other animals, which is at least at least you're not harming other animals. But if you plan it and you eat a good whole food diet and cook your food from scratch, it'll pay dividends to humans as well. But we shouldn't need to be bribed. I think that's very important that you you can't bribe somebody to go vegan. And a lot of these reports, that's what they're doing. They're saying, oh, you know, oh, please, please be vegan because your health will be better and it will protect the environment. Being vegan is the very least that we owe other animals. And it happens to have those other benefits, Um, better rights for workers, better human health, less less harm to the environment but even if it didn't have those benefits you know we're, it's, it's a social justice issue and we're really morally obliged to stop breeding other animals so that we can deliberately kill them Sandra always a pleasure talking to you I admire I say it again what you do and I understand and I've tried to make changes and I'm always trying to I promise you in my own life as well uh, and I wish you well going forward and thank you for taking our call and talking to me on Late Lunch today appreciate it Thank you, Jerry. Take care. Sandra Higgins there from Eden Farmed Animal Sanctuary in County Meath. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Joe Gavin from Celtic Wind Crops with us a little earlier on there, the CBD oil. Uh, people wanting to know how they find out more. CelticWindCrops.ie And if you want to email them, it's info at CelticWindCrops.ie or their phone number 01-492-6848. That's 01-492-6848. Have a pair of tickets to give away for Mike Denver. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's in Trim Castle Hotel uh, this Thursday, the 24th of January, and a special guests are the unbelievable Philomena Begley and Ray Lynham. I have a pair of tickets to give away to somebody out there in late lunchland today. Do you want to go to Trim Castle Hotel Thursday, Mike Denver? Great nights, country music. Here's the question. I'll use his surname for the question. In what US state is Denver? That's a simple one. In what US state is Denver? Answers now with your name and details to 086 658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick a winner there before the end of the show I want to say congratulations because it is their big official opening today yes Blackstone Motors their brand new facility in Dundalk is officially opened at Auto Village Dundalk Retail Park opposite the DKIT Sports Centre pop in and give them a shout there they'd love to see you they are of course the main Renault and Dacia dealers and we wish uh, Noel and the crew there all the very best uh, with their new venture 
adventure in Dundalk. They're great lads. They really are. Donal, of course, on our lose weight and feel great. Well, we see how he weighs in tonight. The way in tonight, folks, just reminding you, lose weight and feel great after a week. How do they all do? You'll find out on late lunch tomorrow. Anyway, just for the lads and the new Blackstone in Dundalk, it's Lizzie. Sure, with late lunch on LMFM Radio, Mike Denver at Trim Castle Hotel on Thursday, this Thursday the 24th, with Philomena Begley and Ray Lynham. It should be a cracking night. Pair tickets on late lunch to be won today in what US state is Denver? Somebody said it's in the United States, but I was looking for the state within the state, to be honest with you, and that state is Colorado. And those pair tickets today are going to Geraldine Curran. Well done to you. We'll be in touch to make the arrangements, Geraldine. Top of the show today, wasn't she just fantastic? She really was. Aoife Morgan, who uh, is a childhood survivor of cancer, has been through an awful lot. We got many comments saying people were in awe and admired her so much. Another one here coming to us. What a wonderful, inspirational young lady Aoife is. It's so unfair that she has to fight so hard for the things we take for granted. And that's why She's an advocate for Can Care for Living and that meeting is happening in the Westcourt Hotel in Drogheda this Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Also, we had Julie Burns' uh, uh, relations uh, on from the USA. Dr Julianne Byrne was with us as well. They were listening in the United States. Hello to you also today from little old Drogheda on the east coast of Ireland uh, all the way across the Atlantic. Uh, another of your comments, uh, Sandra was with us. Sandra Higgins from Eden Farmed Animal Sanctuary in County Meath. I always let her have her say, you know, whether you agree or disagree, I always believe in listening to people, listening to what they have to say, uh, at times they don't get a say. People who have a different view are just talked down, they're not given an opportunity, but on this show they will, I promise you, and it's always been like that, always will. Hi Sandra, says Rose, and we read all comments within reason as well. I think you're actually living in cloud cuckoo land. What about the fox that kills the lamb, the wolf that kills the deer? We also have to live and that is going on since the beginning of time. I love my meat and chicken and fish, says Rose. Thank you for your comment, Rose. I think, like, nature is nature, Rose. The fox does kill the lamb, etc. But that's, you know what I mean, that's the the law of the jungle or the law of nature or whatever. Uh, but I see the point you're making as well. And thank you for your comment to the show uh, this Monday afternoon. Also, let's say a big cogorgigus to Fred Cook 
our comedian from Kells and County Mead. Yes, we got him over the line last night. He got through in Dancing with the Stars. He's into next week and we'll be talking to Fred again later in the week. Well done to him. And thanks to everybody in the North East who voted for Fred Cook. It's very important. If you vote, he'll get through. And he's a great guy and a wonderful character. And we want to keep him moving as long, along in the competition for as uh, many weeks as is possible. Uh, what else have I to say? Uh, I think that's about it for the moment. That's everything. The homework. I'm just going through the homework on the desk, you see, and getting all the things done that I have to do. Anyway, let me tell you that up next on the show, we're going to say hello again to a young woman who's simply brilliant. Herself and her sister, Kate and Annie Madden, set up Fenue Health. But it's Kate we're talking to today, and she's heading to China shortly. And we're going to hear why next. I remember well the first time I came across them. They were two whippersnappers at the Young Scientist Exhibition in Dublin and they'd done really well. Well, my God, that was just a precursor of things to come for sisters Kate and Annie Madden, co-founders of Fenu Health. They are simply marvellous young entrepreneurs from County Mead and I'm joined by one half of the dynamic duo this afternoon. She's on the line, Kate Madden. Hello, Kate. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I am very good indeed. Thank you for joining me. You're heading to Macau in China in a few weeks. Tell our listeners why. So basically, Jerry, you gave us a little summary there. But with my sister Annie, I set up a business called Fenu Health, which is it's basically a range of supplements for the equine industry, so horses. And then we started this back in 2015, I think it was, when yep. we, were, we were probably on with you shortly after. You were? Yeah, and um, basically it's going from strength to strength. We have nine people working with us now. We're in 15 countries. Um, and then, as well as this, I'm in university. I'm in UCC in Cork now. And while I'm a student, I said I would may as well enter a few student entrepreneur awards or competitions. As you so, do. As you do, you know, keep yourself busy. Yes. And, uh, so I came across this. It's the Entrepreneurs' Organisation, like massive worldwide organisation, um, and it's their Global Student Entrepreneur Awards. So it goes on. It's over in over 50 countries around the world. Um, like, it's a massive thing. So mm. it's like a detailed application form just for your national finals. Then they get the best five in. You do, like, a half-an-hour interview pitch in front of five judges. Um, and then you get a Q&A, everything, and then they pick who they want to send to represent Ireland to this conference, this annual conference, which this year is going to be in Macau. It just it's just in Hong Kong, just a few an hour away from there. So that's the plan. So I ended up winning that competition. Well done, you. And does Ireland. it not surprise me? Not in the slightest. So you will represent Ireland. Actually, I'll tell you this, case. I was having a look at uh, the competition, yeah. the worldwide competition, and yeah. it's ginormous. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's across the board and all the brightest and best from all of the world are heading to Macau in China in a few weeks' time. So you will be representing Ireland in China. Isn't that just fantastic? Yeah, sure. Keep myself busy, I guess. That's <laughs> so look, when you get out there, you've been through the process. You told us they're making the pitch, the interviews, the yeah. Q&As, and you've beaten off intense competition and you go to China. Do you know what you have to do out there? Have you another pitch to do and questions and stuff? Yep. So when you go out there, it's the same thing. It's more pitching. It's just you're. It's more about being the student entrepreneur rather than the business you have behind you. Mm. So it's about like what you bring to the business and what you are as an entrepreneur. 
Um, but obviously everyone over there are going to have pretty impressive businesses anyway. Mm. So you're just pitching your business and just pitching why you're the best global student entrepreneur, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's more pitching, more presentation. Okay, so you know what you have to do and you'll be all up for that and ready to go. But here's the thing. There won't, I'll tell you one thing. You have really a great story behind you from where you came from, what you developed in the products. Nine people working for you and you're in your first year, aren't you, at university this year? Yeah, first year. Just remind us, what's Annie doing at the moment? Is she leaving, Sarah? No, no, she's only fifth year. Okay. She's only fifth year. So she's probably in school right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Poor school (laughs) students. You uni crew can do what you want. I want to say hello to her this afternoon because I know you are so close and work together, the pair of you as well. So she's coming through as well. She'll be in the fifth year this year, then I'll leave in Sarah next year and, yeah. and beyond that. What are you studying at, studying at UCC? Um, so I'm doing a course called Food Marketing and Entrepreneurship. So right. it's a bit of food science, a bit of commerce, a bit of everything. But it really fits. It fits exactly what I'm interested in and exactly the business. Mm. So, so it's good because I'm getting my degree is going to... Helping the business as well as helping me, if you want to put it that way. Of course. Um, mm. And just like with UCC as well, we have there's, there's Blackstone Launchpad. I think some people have probably heard of Blackstone. They're like a huge organization, again, worldwide. And there's these launch pads in universities all over the world, again. There's one in UI Galway, there's one in Trinity and UCC. And they've been helping me as well. It's about like innovation, entrepreneurship, and just like growing the business while you're in college as well. Yeah. So they even got to bring. I just in November I went to New York for a week with them, um, and because they set up a few meetings for me over in New York, and it just allows me to have a bit of flexibility in college as well as getting the degree, doing the work, but just with the health as well. It's so much. It's much easier. It's fantastic. It's a real fit for you and what you're doing as well. So how long is the is your degree course in Cork? It's four years. So All right. Four years, obviously, and then I'll probably go on and do more. Don't want to leave college too soon. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> don't be doing that. Let the business take care of itself at the moment. But is that ultimately, do you see yourself actually in venue health or do you see yourself diversifying, maybe developing something else, going to work for somebody else? What? Have you any thoughts around that? Um, well, at the moment, I'm still planning on keeping venue health anyway. That's the plan to try to grow it as much as you can. Mm. But like we do get a lot of help off bigger companies like that help you along the way. So, like, we probably, you would know, we probably talked about this to you about um, Alltech. Yes. So, the Irish company, set up by Dr. Lyons, who sadly passed away just nearly a year from its anniversary. But um, we've been doing a lot of work with them. So, like, we've met Mrs. Lyons, his wife, numerous times when she's been in the country. And they're based in Kentucky in the USA, but she's come over numerous times to meet us. And it's just like these different big companies would be helping us. And, like, they're, again, just, they're all tech, Mrs. Lyons and the family. They're just helping us along, just showing us the way of trying to grow our business themselves. Because again, we are a, a small Irish business, so that's mm. that's related on as well. So they're actually bringing, they're pretty much bringing us under their wing. We're going over the summer. I'm going over for an internship with them. So in Kentucky, so only six people get to go each year, which and most people have like PhDs or postgrads, but it goes first year in university, so I can have fit in. Yeah. But um, it's just like these big companies taking us under their wing as well, which is, it's nice like to be able to grow with them, like, yes. with them leading us. 
it's, way. it's really like it's a great story as well that a, a multinational successful company are helping yeah. you know yourselves and other small indigenous companies as well to give them a, a, some knowledge from their experience their business acumen etc it's great to hear that as well it's really encouraging so anyway when are you off to china april is it april yeah so just the beginning of april for i think it's a per week we're over there for Okay. So that would be interesting, and we'll be able to update you anyway when I get when I get back. Um, Absolutely, and listen, come back, bring back. Uh, I was going to say the bacon, but in the context of today's show, I better not say that. Bring back the silverware uh, from uh, China and uh, celebrate it when you come back. I'll tell you one thing: I'd say if I was looking at the betting on this one, you'll be uh, short odds. <laughs> Well, sure, Jerry. If you hadn't had us on the show at the beginning, we wouldn't be where we are. So. Ah, you're too kind Thank to you. me. You're too kind indeed. You would. Talent and the cream always rises to the top, Kate. <laughs> always remember that it really does. Well, look at it's great to just catch you for a moment today in Cork. I know you're busy down there with everything. Good luck to you in Macau. Uh, I know you'll carry the colours uh, of the nation <laughs> on your back very, very well indeed. And say hello to Annie for us as well, and we'll be in touch. Is that okay? Thanks, million. Thanks Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye-bye. That's Kate Madden there. Wonderful, wonderful young woman, along with her sister Annie. They're two great girls and they have a wonderful family behind them as well who support them all the way. And, you know, I could understand what she said there to me is very true. They've been on late lunch from the very start when I, I don't know how I came across them initially, but anyway, I did. And they were at the uh, Young Scientist and you could see from the first day they came into the studio here, God, they had something. They really had something. And my word, when you think of it, a, a, a fifth year, first year university, they employ nine people, they're exporting, they've developed these products. Aren't they just wonderful young women? I really, I admire them so much. I really do. And I think they're inspirational for others as well. Anyway, that's almost a lot on late lunch for this uh, Monday afternoon. I want to say huge thanks to Ross Leahy for helping me so much the last few weeks here. He's been in behind the scenes every day, helping out, keeping the show on the road here, pushing me along. Ross, thanks a million for all your help. I really do appreciate it. Anyway, we'll leave you today in the company of Mr. Robbie Williams. And what a song this is. Millennium. See you tomorrow. Half one.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.